Hi. Well, welcome to the Happy Single with your host, Christy. singers it is about time that another episode has come about um if this is the first time that you're here welcome to the happy singer podcast where we talk about things that make us happy stuff that's good celebrating other people and their work and just good stuff hopefully good stuff things that will help you to be a better singer or to reflect and think about it on a bigger picture Um, But today, I finally get to present this wonderful chat that I had with Kelly Hoppenjans, and she is a fantastic voice teacher that I found through Journal of Singing. Her Her article that I found I thought was just so profound in terms of contemporary singers that I had to reach out to her and first congratulate her on having um, an article in the Journal of Singing and also the fact that, you know, she made such a great... Uh, a great article that I think is so helpful for singers to read and I want to share this with other people and to help um, reach more singers with this because although journal singing is mainly for voice teachers I think that there's a lot of crucial things that the singer should know about so that's where this whole episode comes in Before I dive into this article a little bit more I want to introduce Kelly and give you a little more information about her So, she's been teaching voice in the Nashville area for the past seven years. She is an adjunct instructor at Belmont University in commercial voice and teaching private commercial voice lessons, vocal styles, and commercial vocal ensembles. She specializes in working with singer-songwriters and unique voices, and her master's thesis was focused on determining the connection between vocal qualities and songwriting and female singer-songwriters. Kelly is also an accomplished singer-songwriter and released her full-length album, OK, I Feel Better Now, in October of 2019. The album received airplay in numerous AAA and independent radio stations across the country. It was featured in publications like NPR's All Songs Considered and World Cafe, The Alternative, Ghetto Blaster, and American Songwriter. And I also think what is so special about Kelly is that she is a songwriter and a teacher. She's living in that world and then teaching from that. So I think that's just so special. Um, So definitely check out her, her own writing. But let's go to this article so that you can get a better idea of what we're discussing when I start talking about it in the chat. So the title of this article is Cross Voice Influence, The Relationship Between the Singing Voice and the Songwriting Voice. And there is also a great chart in this article that you can refer to, and it goes off of Scott McCoy's um, first chapter in his book, Your Voice and Inside View. He has this, but it's more for the classical world. So she has taken it and put it into the world of contemporary setting. So vocal analysis for singer-songwriters, and you can do characteristics like bright versus dark, light versus full, clean versus raspy, rhythmically driving versus rhythmically relaxed. It's it's great, and I think it's super useful. And you could use it yourself if you don't have a voice teacher right now. Maybe looking at this might actually serve you really well to start to, if you don't have those words in mind, they're here. They're here for you in this article. 
And another part about this article that I enjoy is that she's using Joni Mitchell and Regina Spector's songwriting to show that there actually is a correlation between the lyrics, how they affect the singer, and the way that they use their voice. Which I don't know if every songwriter thinks about all the time, and I think that that is, and I mentioned this in this chat, is why I think this music affects me the way it does, specifically Joni Mitchell's music. Um, so I will stop talking for right now, but enjoy this chat with Kelly, and I'm so grateful that she sat down and talked with me. Everyone, enjoy this chat, and we'll talk afterwards. Yeah, technology, man. It's I like... know. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, don't worry. I'm, like, so used to all these, like, glitches now. It's like, but, you know, I never was able to use the internet like I do now. I feel like I mean, I just wasn't with it, but now the pandemic happened. It's like we all had to like figure figure our stuff out. Huh? Oh my god, so true. I've learned so many new uh, software programs and like so much more about all these video chat devices than I ever knew before. It's crazy. Yeah. What are you doing um, for your online lessons? What kind of software are you using right now? We're using Zoom at both. I teach at. Belmont and then I teach at a community college here as well and so both of them we use Zoom um, but I also will kind of like use whatever my students prefer I think FaceTime is pretty good and yeah um, yeah some people like uh, Google best the like Google Meet app so that's fine yeah. too I have a couple of people that like that too but that's great that you're able to like do whatever it is that they want you know like cause some teachers can't do that they're just like this is what we're using yeah <laughs> so you know that that's good that's really good so um I just want to say thank you again because it means a lot that you're going to do this because I you're probably busy and all this stuff so I just appreciate <laughs> you making time for me so I'm happy to I'm actually you know the the semester has been sort of like condensed and crammed into a shorter session to avoid Thanksgiving. So really, I'm actually not that busy <laughs> right oh, that's now. That's so good then. I've got kind of like two months b between the end of this semester and the beginning of next one where I'm like, what am I going to do <laughs> with all that's my awesome. time? Yeah. That's so good. Well, maybe you can write. Your music is so beautiful. I oh. was uh, I was listening to it and I actually let my mom, <laughs> I'm, at, I'm at my, my parents' house right now and uh, I was letting her listen to one of your songs and she's like, she's so good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's really beautiful. And I, I picked the the mother song, obviously. I was like, go let her, oh, yeah. let her listen to this. It's just so beautiful. And your voice is uh, really, really good. It's like one of those things that I think us teachers get a bad rap, like we can't sing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like um, you clearly are a teacher that really, really, really can sing. So oh, um, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. It's just beautiful stuff. Um, so tell me about what it's been like teaching in a pandemic. Just tell, tell us some things. What's it been like? <laughs> well, it's been, I mean, in some ways it's been fine. And, and in other ways it's been, you know, completely not normal and, um, and strange. I think it, teaching, I mostly teach students at the college level. Um, so, teaching those students has, has been okay because they're kind of used to technology. They don't love, you know, the, the whole virtual lessons thing, but so Belmont is doing, um, a hybrid, uh, 
model. So we're doing some in-person lessons and some um, via Zoom or whatever, you know, a FaceTime application makes sense. So um, they, they either, they have the choice of like singing in a mask 12 feet away from me where I can like hear them in the room, but they're singing in a mask and it's not, you know, it's not the real experience or singing in a video chat where I can hear what their voice really sounds like, but we can't collaborate in real time. So it's, yeah, it's that they're choosing between that. Basically nothing is the way that it should be, but it's all okay. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. My gosh. I know some teachers were like, I went to that Nats thing that was all online and, and they were just like, I got overwhelmed on that video um, where they were all just like talking about, you can use this and this and this, but really it's like the student has to have all the equipment. They have to be willing to do all that stuff. And in a lot of my students, at least they, they're singer songwriters, you know, or they're just starting to sing for the first time and they're not going to go and buy an interface, a nice microphone. They're not going to want to do, you know, what was the, Sound Jack was the one. Was that like, is, yeah. I haven't messed with that. I'm, I'm so curious to talk to someone who has to see what, what that's been like. Because I do direct an ensemble at Belmont, and I would love to be able to let those people collaborate virtually. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, don't know. I, I hear it's amazing if you have all of the stuff. That's what I've heard I, too. But you know, it's like. I don't know. For me, at least, it's like I know not to even ask because people. If I'm lucky, they'll put headphones in. I'm like, yes, right, <laughs> you got exactly. your headphones, yay. So, like, but other than that, you know, it's it's just hard. It's hard. So, um, and what's the ensemble that you teach? I teach an ensemble called Pops, which is a large ensemble. It's fifty people. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. So, what what we typically do with Pops is that they break down into small groups and they have different styles that they're embodying and they do two songs each typically. Um, and, uh, and they get to arrange it themselves. And so they get lots of kind of personal, you know, control over, over what they're doing. And so during the pandemic, we, uh, at least last semester, I had them make music videos in their small groups rather than, yeah, rather than doing like a, like a big live stream show or something like that. So yeah, it's, it's been fun. We'll see what happens next semester. I think I'm changing it up a bit, but we'll see. That's great. And what about, okay. So in your article, this, this cross voice influence, the relationship between singing voice and the songwriting voice, it's incredible. You have this little chart on the third page. I want you to like get into all this because I'm so curious if you have your students fill it out. (laughs) and do this because I was like this is so nice I love it it's like do you use that in the lessons it's cool right so that chart is based on um a chart that's in your voice and inside view which is by Scott McCoy um I amended it a little bit because his chart is mostly meant for the teacher to fill out when doing like new student intake or looking at like how students improve over time Mm -hmm. um and it's got some some items like in tune, out of tune, things like that, that I thought just didn't apply really. (laughs) And the purpose of, uh, this chart is to, is for the student to fill out themselves, for them to listen to their own voice critically and, um, and, you know, really engage with what do I actually 
sound like and to try not to use judgment language, which is really hard to do. But having a chart like this can really help. So what I often do is every student I start with, their first lesson, um, I have them tell me three things that they like about their voice, which is often really difficult for them to do. Which is it's sad, right? It is, it is makes me really sad. It's like that's like one of the first things is like get them to sort of like a little bit of something, like get them to like it because there's something to be valued in in every voice. That's so exactly. sad. Exactly. Yeah. So I always start with that, and often they're they're struggling with even like if they're new to lessons and new to singing, they're struggling with even like what words do I use to describe my voice? Exactly. Because um, they might only know like. American Idol words like pitchy and things like that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> that show has, I mean, it's. Oh, I know. Don't get it. <laughs> it is not how we talk about singing. So, nope. Um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I often start with that. And if students are uh, struggling with that, that's, I often show them this chart and say, these are words you can use. Look at, look at these continuums. There's bright versus dark. There's light versus full. And I sort of explain what they, what they mean. And then once students are ready, if they're, if I find that they're not like using, not like zeroing in on negative aspects of their voice, when they talk about their own voice, that's when I think they're ready. And then I do sometimes use that chart, but it's pretty rare, honestly, that I, that I have a student who wants to like do that homework. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love it though. I think it's so great because again, a lot of singers, like you were saying, they just don't know the words and you're like, these are great words to use. Look at these. (laughs) I think it's really good. I mean, I might just, um, (laughs) I might just kind of like have this available eventually someday when people have an in-person lesson, just put it up on the mirror. I think it's so great. Oh, thank Um, you. Oh yeah. You'll get credit for sure. (laughs) But, But yeah, I think it's just a, it's really, really great. Oh, thanks. That's a great way to use. Just like have it sort of available on like your bulletin board or whatever. Right. Just like have them look at it, even as they're like doing their warm ups. they don't have to like put label anything really, but yeah. just having it there while they're singing. I don't know. There's something really, uh, really nice about that because oh, I could cool. just say it for them, but they can just look at them and kind of just evaluate that. You know, I think that's cool. Um, so how is the article gone? Have people like a lot of people wrote to you about it? Cause I think it's, such a nice thing to be put into the journal of singing. Oh, thank you. A few people have, I have some friends who are voice teachers who saw it in there and they were like, Oh my gosh, you're, you're in the journal, yeah. um, which is so cool. It is. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I've had, and I've presented this topic at a couple of, um, conferences. I presented it at, um, at me, which is association for popular music education a couple years ago and had such a great response to it there. And it's, I've presented earlier versions with like more lukewarm responses. Oh, bummer. Yeah, but that's what it is <laughs> when you first started. You know. Well, I think too, it's uh, some of the places where I've presented it have been a little more like classically focused. Yeah. And what I'm saying sounds like to those people sometimes sounds like, oh, your voice is great. However it is. And, you know, we're not, we're not going to work on anything. Like we're not going to improve anything, which is not at all what I'm saying. Um, What I'm saying is I want you to love the things about your voice that you cannot change. It's a bit like that, you know, 
that serenity prayer, <laughs> right? Yeah. But we're, we're going to love those things about your voice that are just like natural to who you are. Um, and of course we're going to improve your technique and strengthen your voice, but it will always strengthen those things that are just natural qualities. Yep. I think it's so good because everyone comes in for a lesson and they say, okay, well, these are my role models, which I think is really important. And they yes. say, these are the voices I like, or some even say, this is exactly what I, I want to sound like. And then that's very helpful, but it's like to know where you're at in comparison to that, that model is really, really important. And if sometimes it's a little far away and it's like, well, you are beautiful in this voice that you have, it's different, but we can get you a little here and a little there, but I don't know. I think that that's so important. Actually, I showed it to Scott McCoy because I, um, I presented a, uh, poster paper, at Nat several years ago where I used this. And so I showed him kind of how I <laughs> amended his chart. Yeah. And um, he seemed really like sort of honored, I think, by <laughs> by that, which was so sweet. Um, so yeah, there's lots of people in the classical world who are who are cool with this. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I never, I never know because I don't, I don't uh, engulf myself in much of that. I've always been yeah from the contemporary land. So every time I'm in the <laughs> classical world, I'm always like, hmm. Um, well, there are some strange things. Like I remember being an undergrad and talking to my friends about vibrato mm-hmm. and, and, and wondering why that was such a strange thing. And when I was an undergrad, I was a musical theater major. Yeah, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Me too. Oh, cool. <laughs> but I started out as a classical voice major and most of my close friends were were classical vocalists. And so I remember having a big discussion with them and, and we were like 20, so none of us knew what we were talking about, but um, about vibrato. And I was saying, I feel like I sing without it very healthily. So I don't think it's necessarily like a natural part of everyone's voice. And my mm. friends being like that, I don't think that's true at all. You have <laughs> to sing with vibrato to sing healthily. <laughs> it's like, no, that can't be. I sing with straight tone all the time. We talk with straight tone. That just yeah. can't be that it's that it's like necessary to a healthy sound. So yeah, I remember that being a strange thing. But that again, we were young and stupid. And that was like 10 years ago. <laughs> Right, right. It's like time to learn, time to grow. But yeah, yeah exactly. So true. And it's cool that you were able to identify that for yourself without someone telling you that. You're like that. That's how it feels for me. So it's like yeah. it's very intuitive. That's intuitive. Well, yeah. sometimes when you're learning commercial stuff, I mean, I think these days there are so many great commercial teachers and great programs for training commercial teachers that like kids learning to sing commercial styles these days maybe have more access. But it does like when you don't have that, when you have mostly classical teachers and you want to sing these styles, it does sort of feel like you're like learning, you know, you're teaching yourself some things and you're kind of learning like, what can I get away with? That's like against the rules in in classical terms. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, so, okay. So at least whenever you're talking to people, let's say they've never heard the word commercial before. 
what would you what would you say is commercial music? Oh yeah, that term <laughs> does confuse people. That's the term it does. I, I, that Belmont uses and that a lot of schools use. I know, but yeah, it's it sounds to in layman's terms like we're talking about like voiceovers for ads <laughs> for commercials. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that term confuses people, but I tend to just tell people it is it's our term for studying non-classical singing. So essentially anything other than opera and art song that you would that you would class as singing or using your voice to music um, would be commercial singing, um, which includes rapping in that. And maybe that's a controversial topic, but <laughs> that's what I think. No. no, I think, I think that's really good. It's just, some people just don't know the the term and it's kind of nice to just be like, this is something that you'll hear a lot of the time. Yeah. And when people are shopping around for voice teachers, that's also in their bios sometimes. So yeah, it's just, that non-classical, but it's nice to just not say non-classical, <laughs> you know, it's, it's good to <laughs> kind of make that. So, um, but tell me about how you writing your own music has served your teaching and did it kind of come hand in hand or did one start first? Tell me about how those kind of go together. I have really loved thinking in my life about how those two sides of myself can coexist because it, it takes up yeah. a lot of my uh, reflection. I think you won't be surprised to hear that I think about it quite <laughs> a lot. And um, and yeah, there's there's been times in my life where there's been sort of a push and pull where one kind of takes precedence over the other. Um, but they really can kind of reinforce each other. I, I've known that I wanted to be a teacher since... I graduated from undergrad because I loved voice lessons so much. And I just thought, you know, I want to do this. I think I could do this on the other side, you know. Um, So I knew I wanted to do that. And I moved to New York shortly after graduating um, and had this musical theater degree and wanted to be in musicals. And um, I, you know, for various reasons, living in New York just did not work for me. And I, I didn't love you know, the, the atmosphere there or being an actress so hard. necessarily. Yeah. It was not my thing. It's, oh my gosh. It's so hard. It's so <laughs> hard. Just emotionally draining as well is yeah. just even some of the best, most amazing performers out there, they don't make it to Broadway. And then a lot of people put this label on, it's like, you didn't make it. But it's like, that's not how it works. Like there's amazing actresses and, and actors that just never get to get to that point because it's there's a lot of other stuff at hand and I mean I live in Jersey City right next to New York and it's I think it's aged me in ways that I can't even explain to you like <laughs> I live, believe living it. there for three years so far and it's um I don't know it's done something to me mentally uh, <laughs> I, yeah I love my job but it's uh I, if I could live anywhere else I would but I can't <laughs> you know it's like so I get it I get it yeah well that was kind of my thinking uh when I moved so I I started writing music just to kind of deal with all the feelings I was having about mm, <laughs> living in there New York we go. yeah and um I played my first show at Rockwood Music Hall um, oh, yeah, I love that place. Um, so that would be like 10 years ago or so that I, that I played a show there. I didn't have enough songs for a full sh- set by myself. So I split it with another, with a friend of mine and I absolutely loved it and thought this is what I should be doing. I don't want to be in musical theater anymore. This is what I want to do. And so I wrote like crazy and, and thought, you know, I don't have to be in New York to do this. <laughs> 
So, yeah. so I'm going to leave. And that's, that's kind of what brought me to Nashville. Um, so cool. So cool. Yeah. Okay. So now what? You get to Nashville then. <laughs> well, I also came to do my master's. So I got my master's at Belmont and all the time was kind of writing music, was researching singer songwriters at school. And, um, and so, yeah, my, my whole mission sort of became, I want to study singer songwriters. I want to learn how they tick and I want to coach singer songwriters and I want to be one myself to, to experience this. And, um, you know, there's, there's always the aspect of being a performer where, and a teacher where you say, well, all of these experiences that I have, I can bring that to the table with, with my students. I can tell them firsthand, you know, this is what it's like. And that's kind of how they feed each other, which is true. But my students, like their, their enthusiasm and the work that they do often inspires me as a songwriter and as an artist, which is really cool and something I did not expect. And do they write music ever with you? I'm just curious if that ever, like if they ever collab with you, like in terms of the the learning and the writing, like, how does that go? I actually have never done that, or at least not that I can think of. Um, but that would be so cool. I guess I, I keep sort of like co-writing sessions and teaching songwriting a bit separate, but I do teach songwriting sometimes. And I really, really love doing that. I have, a a seminar of voice majors at Belmont. And I have, I always have a challenge song for them every semester for performing in that seminar. And one semester I said, you guys are going to do originals and not all of them were songwriters and they, (laughs) they weren't sure, you know, exactly (laughs) how that was going to go. Um, but gosh, I had one girl who just continuously every week, came in and I said, so how's your songwriting going? How's your original coming along? And she said, I haven't really done any work on it this week, but I I will next week. I think I have a good idea. (laughs) And, um, and so every week this kept happening. And eventually I just said, what's going on? What is, what is keeping you from working on this? What, what are you feeling about this? What do you think? And she started to tell me, well, these are these things that are going on in my life. And she was having issues with her sister and, and just these things kind of started happening. And I said, okay, you have a block. This is what's keeping you from, from writing this, this you're, you're thinking about this other thing. Um, do, uh, do you ever do morning pages? Uh, Yeah, those are so good. Yeah. So I told her to, to do some morning pages and just to write without the intention of ever showing it to anyone, just force yourself to write three pages about whatever you are feeling. This might come up, this might not. And that is meant to just sort of like unblock you and to get it flowing, you know? And then the next week she came in with this amazing song. It was so good. And I, that was such a gratifying moment in teaching. I was oh, so proud of her. That is amazing. There's nothing like those morning pages. Whether you like it or not, you're going to find something. Yeah. There's something there in that mess. That's so good. <laughs> good for her. That's like, how did she feel afterwards? Probably she amazing. felt awesome. She was so proud of that song. She ended up singing it for her jury too. She was so, so, so proud of it. See, that makes me really happy. It was so cool. That's, oh my gosh. So, okay, so now that we're kind of getting to this songwriter stuff, 
what kind of advice do you have for somebody that's just starting? They, they really are just beginning. They know they love music. They have their favorite songwriters that they listen to and they feel like they want to do it. What's like some advice that you would give to get started? Well, I think write as much as you can is the best advice, the best songwriting <laughs> advice anybody ever gives or has given me for, for sure. Yeah, I, I think writing in bulk is is like the best that you can do because it, it just like you learn so much about how to put these things together. Um, you, you get all the writing out and, and, you know, the, the thing too about writing in bulk is that when you finish a song and if you don't like it, or if you, if you don't think it's, you know, if, if you don't think it's reached that pinnacle of those people that you look up to as songwriters, just write another one, you know? (laughs) You can, you can write so many, you have endless songs. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so this is kind of like a question that I get a lot from some of my singers where they don't have a lot of music theory Mm. and they will sing it and they kind of don't know like what key it's in, but they, they sing it into their voice memos and then they say, Hey, what do I do now? So this is kind of a technical question. Like, what would you do if they come in, they sing the song, it's on their voice memos. What should they do to start constructing it in terms of like maybe putting it into some software or who do, who should they talk to? That's a great question. <laughs> I definitely have some students like that who are like, they're just starting out at school and they're in their theory classes right now, right? And they're like yeah. k- kind of learning how to do that. And definitely like to truly master that, I think you have to have a good grasp of music theory um, and, and learn about how chords function, not just what they are. Even if you play an instrument, you know, you might not know things like when you're in C, G is a great chord to use and, you know, things like that. Um, (laughs) But if, if they want to jump in without, without knowing much music theory. I mean, I think GarageBand is easily the best way to do that. They they have all those little like functions on the GarageBand app where you can just go in and use the smart guitar yep. in the key of C and say, here's my C, here's five other chords that they tell me are going to work. And I'm just going to press one button and this chord happens. That's a great way to do it. Okay. Yep. That's what I, that's what I've told a lot of kids to do. It's right. just like go in there because it's so amazing. Like when that first, the first time GarageBand changed it and they had all those smart instruments, I was like, well, <laughs> I mean, there it is. It's like everything that you possibly could use. Yeah. Game um, changer. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. So good. So this is kind of this one part that kind of correlates to what you wrote. It's like, how do we tell them they're always like, does this fit my voice or should mm-hmm. I sing it differently? What you wrote I thought was just so interesting because it was talking about like Regina Spector and how she like doesn't want her identity necessarily in her voice. Like she's using it almost like, I don't know, like a, like a skin like St. Vincent does. Yeah. Like she'll say sometimes she's Annie Lennox, but sometimes she's, she's St. Vincent and she likes these two like polar opposites, which I think is so interesting. So like, I don't know what the answer is for singers and deciding other than it must be them, but what, what's your advice to people when they're looking into this stuff? What would you say? I mean, you can just like 
talk about what the article says too, but whatever you think. (laughs) Sure. Well, there are, I think doing that research kind of taught me that there are parts of our voice that we craft and that we're specifically aware of and, and parts of our voice that we're maybe not necessarily, um, and, and parts of our voice that we can change and parts that we can't. Right. So I think you as the artist get to be in control of what you sound like. That is often a thing that I talk to about, talk about with my students as well, that, you know, once you learn these three things that you like about yourself, these three questions that I ask at the beginning, or this question about these three things, um, once they tell me that, if they tell me, I really like my dark tone and I really like my low range and I really like this raspiness that I get, great. That everything we do, as long as those are things that you still like about your voice as we keep going through, everything we do is going to support that. You know, that's never... I'm never going to try to change that. And you are in control of how much of your darkness you use, how much of your low tone you want to use. So I, I like sort of putting it on the singer songwriter, on the student to say, you get to craft this identity with your voice. You're in control of that. And if I were you, I would base it on these things that you really like about your voice and start there. Yeah. Well, that's like, that's such good advice. And I think that a lot of people are just afraid sometimes to like be themselves. And I think that sometimes that's like a big holdup, I think, in the writing process. It's just sometimes when they find themselves, they don't like it. Like we were saying back to that rubric that you had. Um, So now it's not even like a voice teacher thing, but just in terms of, of you as a songwriter, what are some things that have helped you to I don't know, be okay with yourself and, and find out who you are to write. Oh yeah. I think in connecting it with the voice, it's, it's about really getting used to the sound of your own voice. So listening to recordings of yourself a lot, which is something I've done (laughs) that I did a lot (laughs) in, in grad school, especially. Um, Because when I came to grad school, I sort of felt like I had, I had been trained to be really versatile. I had been trained in musical theater, which is training to sing like any style that anyone would throw at you. Right. So I had this, like, I think really solid technique, but I, I didn't have a sense of what my voice really sounded like. And I felt sort of lost. Um, and so coming into grad school and hearing, you know, my, I had a great mentor. Kate Paradise was an awesome, is an awesome voice teacher. She's incredible. I don't know who she is, but I love her name. <laughs> great, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's awesome. I'll look her up. <laughs> she's, she's incredible. That's great. And, um, and, and she helped me so much with like figuring out this is what your voice does. That's, that's different than other people's. This is what your voice really sounds like, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, it was such a beneficial experience. And it, a lot of it just involved really, really listening to my own voice, trying to take away any sort of judgment. This is good. This is bad. None of that. And, and just listening to what it sounds like. And so I think, you know, for any artist who sings or raps or uses their voice in any way, listening to your voice forcing yourself to do it and forcing yourself to look beyond, is this good? Is this bad? That's the way to do it. And maybe, 
thinking about it in terms of what do I like and what do I want to change? That's what I change those good or bad judgments to. Mm. Now, would you say that doing covers is helpful or when do you say, okay, let's stay away from other people's work? When do we do that and go into the original stuff or what do you think? I think doing covers is great because I think singing other people's music can sometimes teach you things that your voice can do that you maybe didn't know about, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it's great. Um, I, I think the problem with it is if I have a student who is obsessed with uh, Mariah Carey, say, (laughs) and, uh, and that's all they want to do. That's like their main influence. And that's the only influence I hear in their voice. That's a problem because then they sound too much like Mariah Carey and not like themselves. That's, that's the time where I think, yeah, covering that one particular person is an issue. And we're not going to do that for the next like five songs that you sing. We're going to do anything else originals maybe, or like any other artist and just get you kind of hearing what else your voice can do. Yeah. Now what about uh, song choices? Do you do some song picking or do you just say, okay, what are some songs you like? Um, I'm so curious because every voice teacher is so different. Some like force songs on the t- on the students, and yeah. some are like, "I will I will not pick at all." I'm one that doesn't pick at all. I try not to as much as I can, but I'm curious what you do. I'm in that camp as well. I I try not to. I let them choose their own songs. They're more excited about it usually right. anyway. Yeah, and they want to practice. Yeah, exactly. Which is always good. <laughs> yes, yes. But I will sometimes suggest artists that I think they should check out that are similar to their voice. And if they don't like it, that's fine. They don't have to sing it. But you know, if I get somebody who's, who's into like Marin Morris, Taylor Swift, uh, like a lot, like, um, Miranda Lambert, Carrie Underwood, a lot of country ladies, and they haven't sung any Dolly Parton, you know, I'm, I'm kind of suggesting things like that. That's, that's kind of, yeah, you must, (laughs) right. That's, that's the role I would take where I'm like, have you listened to any Dolly Parton? Have you listened to any Tanya Tucker? You know, things like that. Um, but, but other than that, I, I tend to just let them, you know, direct their own, their own song choices. That's okay. That's really good. I I feel like that would be the the choice, especially for songwriters. If they have to like be listening to a lot of music to know, you know, again, not just like their own voice, but knowing what they like and what they don't like on the radio. Oh, so that's definitely, I mean, yeah. In terms of crafting a songwriting style, you have to listen to lots of songs. And I think a great way to do it is to cover those as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there any major influences for you in terms of like song, uh, songs even, or just singers in general? Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming you like Regina and, and Joni from the article. I do. Uh, <laughs> I love them too. <laughs> <laughs> Two of my big faves. I love how, I mean, it, I've talked about this so much, but I, I love how they use their voices in their songwriting. I mean, that's the whole point of the article, right? But but how tied their songwriting is to their vocal identity is such an inspiration to me. Bjork is another one who's like that, who like, Oh my gosh, she's crazy. I love it. I kind of can't imagine her songs with anybody else's voice because they are so idiosyncratic and so tied to what her voice sounds like for me. And I, yeah, yeah, I think that's, 
that's such a great thing in an artist. Yeah. Okay. So talk a little bit more. I'll let you use your words about what are some of the things that Regina was doing, like her agility that you talk about. Yes. And like, um, all of the songs that she, there's so many times she does, you know, she's always doing those like really fast motions, but talk to us about what it is that you're hearing in their voices in terms of what you see on like sheet music. Oh, sure. So she's got a, um, when you, when you kind of analyze her voice in terms of the quality, she's got a very light voice, which is, you know, like, um, like it's not, it's not a big voice. It's, it's kind of small, which means that you can move it quite quickly. So that's the agility that comes in. It's on the brighter side as well. Um, and she sings with this really conversational light tone. So when we're looking at like a lot of the hooks for the songs that she does, she does these, um, these melismas, um, where she's moving her voice really quickly and it's the hook of the song. It's like the important part of the song. So like on eat when she's doing eat, 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 that's the whole hook of the song. And then on fidelity, there's another one. It breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. It's all of these hooks have these really fast moving passages. And I have no idea if that's something that she is conscious of or necessarily intended, but I think it's so interesting that when I listen to her voice, that's a thing that I think that is special in her voice. That's a, that's something that you don't hear all the time. That's unique. And she somehow has picked up on that and said, well, I'm going to feature that in, in these parts of these songs that are important in these parts of the song where I'm saying exactly what I want to say with this song. I'm going to do this with my voice and it just highlights it and it makes it so um, personal to her, such a personal part of how she expresses herself. It's amazing. It really is. I love, I love her songwriting. It's really interesting to watch her live too. Like she's just like, like you write, uh, you say how she's experimenting and it's like so true. Literally like is the, sound version of like a kid playing with play-doh sometimes it's just yes which i love oh my gosh i know (laughs) talk about Joni's. like you you refer to both sides now oh Joni's so great oh my gosh the the (laughs) song i don't really care what version it is i i kind of always weep a little bit yeah it just is just such a beautiful song but i love how you took the lyrics and you were talking about how like the way her vocal tract is shaped is like affecting those lyrics is like lyrically driven. So can you talk a little bit about both sides now? Yes. I did not expect to discover a lyrical connection to, to the voice and and potentially having the voice like inspire lyrics. And, and that was such a cool discovery as I was kind of analyzing these songs. So Joni's voice has these extremes to it. And part of it is this this Canadian accent where everything's kind of closed. So the O's are very O and the A's are very like forward and bright where the O's are dark. Um, so it's, it's this accent of extremes and, um, and she leans into that when she sings, she does not really shy away from that pronunciation or try to even that out at all. And she's also got 
just in the way that she sings, she's got head voice and she's got chest voice and she does not really mix them all that much. She's, yeah. she's certainly not a belter in any sense of like using a mixed voice like that. Right. When she's in head voice, she's in head voice and she's just up there and high and floaty. And then when she's in chest voice, it's powerful and it's loud and strong. Right. So yeah. she's got this song that, um, you know, she's talked all about what inspired this song. It was being up in a plane and looking down at the clouds and thinking about different perspectives on things like clouds and life and love and writing from either side of those things. And, um, and so she's got this beautiful song about that. And what I think is so incredible is that she uses her voice, which is also this voice of extremes of these different perspectives on where to place the vowels in the vocal tract and where to use the voice in the head or the chest voice. And, and she plays with those in the melody that she writes where she's, I like to love from both sides now. And that melody is on both sides of her voice, which is so cool. I've never even thought about it until I read it. When you were saying, (laughs) I was like, Maybe this is why I weep. I mean, it's just like, it's how those lyrics feel to me and she's doing it. I don't know. I agree. I think it's just like, it's so evocative because it's so, it feels like she's embodying what she's saying and making it part of herself because the voice is part of ourselves, you know? Yes. Yeah. And then the lyrical connection with that is, um, you know, we have these bright vowels and dark vowels that are that are opposite and that are accentuated with the way that Joni sings them. And so she placed them, whether she intended to or not, she placed them in prominent positions by rhyming them in the verses. So it's rose and flows, which are dark of angel hair and ice cream castles in the air, feather canyons everywhere. Those are our bright ones. So she's got dark internal rhymes and bright external rhymes and again, we're just bouncing back and forth between these these different extremes. And I think it's so masterful and so cool. It is. And it, she's just an artist in every way. Yeah. Um, so I, I just like really valued that. You just like writing that for me was just so beautiful. And I think it's an article that singers, specifically singers should read. And I, I don't know how many singers actually read the Journal of Singing. I'm not sure unless they're a teacher. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things that like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is something that you should know about so that you can decide whether or not you want to do that. We highly recommend you do something like that (laughs) because Joni Mitchell, Regina Spector, they're both like very, very good singers, you know, very accomplished, you know, they did it. Maybe this is a good suggestion for you. So it's like, I, I think that this is something so important. And this sort of goes to another question about style. If you're a songwriter of any kind, and you want to write something that is going to speak to people and have them understand you, like, what are some style vocal exercises that you might do with a songwriter? Because mm. I know there's like so much stuff you could do, but is there some, like a few little vocal exercises that you like to do to get people into that zone of like maybe breaking your voice, doing stuff like that, like flipping up into the head voice? Oh, sure. There's lots. I teach a styles class at Belmont and it's one of my favorite things that I do. I absolutely love it. Um, and we break down what I think are the six major commercial vocal, I guess it's seven really, uh, commercial vocal styles, which are, um, jazz, R and B folk, country, rock, pop, hip hop. 
um, and we talk about different exercises that you can do, different things that are um, sort of emblematic of each style, and then lots of little exercises that you can do for each one. So for the flipping, I love that one. That's that's such a fun one. We talk about that mostly with country, but there's other styles that use it. Yeah. Um, so with country, there's the um, the yodel um, or the Tarzan uh, exercise. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. And 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 these exercises too. I, part of why they're so fun is that they're they're not like they don't feel like you have to be technically perfect like most warm ups do. They feel right. like experimentation. They feel like playing and making a making a kind of silly sound. So right. the Tarzan is usually on a fifth, or you can do it on just one note, but that's a little harder. And, um, you started at about like C or so for women and you would go, ah, and you try to get that faster and faster ah, so that you're switching (laughs) between the different ones. And on one note, it's like, ah, very strange sounding. (laughs) Yes. Yes. No, that's great. That's like such an important thing to be able to do with your voice and that quickly. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. And then what else, what other kind of stuff do you do for style? Well, rock is my favorite to teach in that class because there's like vocal distortion and screaming type stuff. And so yeah. it's not necessarily my, uh, my style forte to do the vocal mm-hmm. distortion, but I love messing with it. And I always have a good like crack at it every time we, we try yeah. it. Um, so my favorite screaming exercise is the angry cat. So <laughs> please tell. <laughs> so you make a a tiny little sweet cat sound first. You go meow and then you make that cat a little angry. Meow. And then you extend that. Meow. And that's a scream. Yes. yes. Now tell us what kind of scream is that? What what are we using in the in the body for that? One? We are using the false vocal folds which are above the true vocal folds, they're extra little flappy things, essentially, in the vocal track. Yes. And uh, and so they can vibrate regularly without causing any damage to the voice. So that's what we use. We also use some constrictor muscles a little bit in that. Yay. See, so this is important information, singers. If you're listening, screaming doesn't have to hurt. You can make really, really cool sounds that sound really gritty that are healthy. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't hurt at all. It feels like, I don't know, I've, I've had students try to describe the sensation to me and it, they, they'll be like, it feels sort of bubbly, like bubbles in oh. my mouth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but it that doesn't, it yeah. should not hurt at all. Yeah. And if it does hurt, then you're using a little too much compression. You're letting the real vocal folds come in there to kind of, it might, it might start to hurt. So if it hurts then you know, okay, you're pushing too much. It's actually a really calming event. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's, there's always, it's always good to say when trying things like that, if it hurts, stop, ask for help from your voice teacher. Um, but yeah, it shouldn't hurt. Yeah, this is one of those just, I guess it's just a, an information thing for a lot of people that listen to music. Um, even my parents, like if we listen to something, they're like, that sounds like it hurts. I'm like, actually, I think they're doing it okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> And, and everyone's like, there's no way. I'm like, but no, I think it's actually okay. Because then it's always the indicator when you hear their voice clearly mm-hmm. at other moments. And then they they just go into this other thing. But if it's consistently 
kind of raspy. Then I'm always like, hmm, I hope they're okay. I think they're okay. I don't know. <laughs> it's just, it's fascinating. Yeah. And it's often a clue, like how exhausted they get. If if they're doing this and then you can hear by the end of the song that they like need to stop, that they're tired and they're done, that's, right. that's them using a couple of muscles that they shouldn't be using and wearing those out. But if they're able, as you say, to like flip back and forth and to be really agile like that. And, um, and you know, at the end of the song, they're like good to sing for another hour and a half, then they're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little, just a little thing from both two voice teachers. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay, guys. (laughs) Yes. Um, so, okay. What other name, just like one or two more little style things that you like to do? Well, certainly like a big, it's, it would be an overarching commercial style thing, I think. Um, but calling out is one of my favorite exercises just to get the chest voice happening, to get belting happening. And, um, and so that's a great one. So for that one, I just, um, I have people pretend that they're saying hello to someone across the street and, um, and they just need to be heard. You're not thinking about singing at all. You're just thinking I need to get my friend's attention. So you just say, Hey, and then we put an approximate pitch to that. And we bring that, Hey, 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 we bring that higher and higher. We start to hold that out. That's absolutely one of my favorite exercises. Yeah. That it's so good to get it just out of that music world and just like, okay, because it's really interesting. A lot of people are just over singing. It's, it's, yeah. it's simpler than you think, you know? So that's so good. That's, that's so great. You just get them, get them shouting. That's really good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So any other little style things you like to do? Hmm. I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, these are all great. <laughs> this is plenty. This that's is good. plenty. But, but yeah, I was just curious. Cause I think that like, I don't know. You know, there's something interesting I, I heard in your voice when you were singing. Um, I guess it was the mother. So it might have been the Band-Aid Girl, which I love as well. <laughs> I oh, was listening. So I was trying to listen to that whole album and I, I got stopped the other day. But it's just it's really cool. And the cover is so cute. Like, oh, I thank lo- you. <laughs> I just think it's so great. But um, one of those songs, I was like, it's interesting, the rhythms that she's using and the weight. It sort of sounded like a little bit like Brandy Carlisle. I don't know if you know that oh <laughs> you're cool. aware of it. thank you I love her oh my gosh I love her too but it was specifically just like on these lower conversational spots but I was like this sounds so I was like what does that sound like and then I was like Brandy Carlin <laughs> that's what it is oh thanks yeah, you're well, welcome I guess that's that's phrasing stuff and and for phrasing most of what I do is is just have people listen a ton to lots of different people and and kind of imitate their their play with with phrasing. So Brandy Carlisle and and some people like that, like a lot of country artists, classic country artists as well, are great ones for phrasing. But a lot of jazz as well is is what I would have people listen to to kind of learn different phrasing options that you have and yeah. and get to learn how to be sort of malleable with your phrasing. Um, that's what I would typically do for that. I don't know that I have like an exercise necessarily that I use. But still, it's like, that's great. Even just being aware of it. And yeah. Listen, but um, yeah, I just, I, I really love how strong your voice goes. And it's interesting. I feel like your voice, at least just from talking to you for like an hour here, it's like, 
it, it's a really strong, clear conversational voice. But when you go to sing, you've got all these different sounds to it, but you are strong. I just love the strength in your voice. Even when it's like in a, in a lighter spot, it's still strong to me. I just, I, I don't know. I really like it. Maybe it's that little bit of musical theater still left in you. We always always had to belt, you know, it's like everything we did was like belt, 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 you know, (laughs) that's probably true. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? I always find that interesting. That was like the one thing that, um, my voice teacher and my master, she was like, you know, you don't have to always belt, right? Yeah. (laughs) I was was like, I guess not. She's like, yeah, don't, it's boring. And I was like, okay, (laughs) all right. And she's like, just, let us wait for it or don't don't at all and I was like but and then I started to get into it I'm like maybe I don't have to it was like really hard for me to stop doing it though because it's just so ingrained it's so ingrained in us yeah that was really eye-opening to me as well I remember I was doing I think it was a Regina Spector song I think it was Samson um I I love that song too so it also just feels good in the hands I don't know if you play it too but oh yeah I don't know. Like that key just feels nice in my fingers. <laughs> yeah, it's in B, I think, which it just feels really nice. Yeah, yeah. But in any case, I was I was singing it for my jury, I think, in in grad school, and um, <laughs> some of the teachers were like, "Yeah, I think that the head voice doesn't need to be as loud as." <laughs> you're making it like, like you can, you can pull back on that. It doesn't have to be like classically like, Oh, you know, you can like brush it with a little bit of like breathiness and it'll be, you know, and make it just a little quieter. And you might find that there's like some vulnerability in that, that, that you really like, which is one of my favorite things that I learned from from just grad school and from experimenting with commercial styles as well is that, you know, that, that powerful sound that we have, that's great. And that's good for several different emotions, but it doesn't necessarily run the gamut of emotions that we can express with our voices. And there's a lot, you're going to be able to tell that I love Brene Brown when I say this, but there's a lot of, a lot of power in the vulnerability of our voices as well. And finding those softer sounds and finding, you know, those moments where the voice can be imperfect, where it breaks or where it gets breathy or raspy or, you know, where those things happen. There's a lot of expressive power in that, that I think I was ignoring for quite a while because I was trying to sound perfect. Yeah. I was the same exact way, Kelly. That was, that was my big problem. So thank God we found it. (laughs) I know. (laughs) A little bit of decompression there. I mean, that was like life changing to me when someone allowed me to be breathy. Because I can't remember how many times I've been told my whole life, don't sing breathy, don't do it, either for health purposes or because it sounds bad or like, so when someone was like, please use decompression, let go. And I was like, what? (laughs) Now it's like, it feels revolutionary to me still, (laughs) but it, it does go a long way. And then you listen to the like for me, it was really about the listening when I listened back to yeah. other singers. And I was like, but that is what I love to listen to. Like, I love this breathy stuff. Why am I fighting it? So I don't know. It was just really hard to break it. I don't know. But we found it. <laughs> yeah. I had a very similar experience with breathiness. I completely agree. I was I was terrified of singing breathy because I thought, oh, this won't sound good. People will think I'm a bad singer. Right. Yep. You know, yep. it was just this, I don't know, it's so deeply ingrained, but that's not really, and I guess this is something I always tell my singers. I was like, it's not really about 
sounding good. That should be a byproduct. Like, great. You sound, you sound yes. great, but like, there's this other side to it. Like you want to connect with somebody. And even if one person feels like this connection with your voice, like it feels like they're talking to me or I feel like there's this deep connection. It's like, it doesn't have to be good necessarily. Like Bob Dylan was not a good singer, but he was, <laughs> he absolutely was. Exactly. So, I completely agree. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's this weird line, but I think the more weird kind of voices we listen to, the more it's like, oh yeah, like Tom Waits, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. But uh, some people would find that to be scary, bad technique, but you know, at the end of the day, we're making art, you know, we're trying to connect with humans. And I think that's so important. But anyway, I just, I love that you found that too. I think that's so good. <laughs> love that. I love it. So do you have any lasting advice for songwriters out there? Anybody that wants to try and, and put their, their own words out there? Gosh. Um, I think, yeah, the main thing I think is write as much as you can sing as much of you as you can and get to know, um, how, how your songwriting voice and how your singing voice are going to interact. Just get to know your style and your expressive capabilities as much as you can and experiment and play. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of different things. But it was great. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. Um, and then, okay. So I always ask this question. It's sort of cheesy, but it's not at the same time. But, um, why, why do you sing? That's the question I always like to ask somebody at the end is like, why do you sing? What makes you happy for doing singing? That's the big question, isn't right? it? Why do we sing? Yeah. So <laughs> I, I always just like hearing people try to, try to answer it, even though it's, it's very, I mean, we could write essay after essay about it, but why do you sing? I think I sing because it makes me feel complete (laughs) to sing. You know what I mean? It feels like this part of myself that if it was gone, I would miss it. And so I, so I, I sing because it just has always felt like a part of who I am. Yep. Yep. I love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> so, okay. And then lastly, where can people find you if they want to check you out, listen to your music, check you out as a teacher? How can they find you? Absolutely. Um, I have a website, kellyhoppenjans.com. And hoppenjans is hard <laughs> to spell. So here it is. H-O-P-P-E-N-J-A-N-S. And um I have lots of info on there about my artist career, but also I think a bit of singing stuff on there, of uh, voice teacher stuff on there. And um, I've got, let's see, Instagram is Kelly Hoppin Jams. I love it. <laughs> so H O P P I N J A M S. And I often post things about my students there and just about, you know, various performing things that are going on. So those are two good places to find me. Yay. Thank you so much, Kelly. This was just, I'm, I'm honored to talk to you. Thank you so much. Oh, it's been my absolute pleasure. This was so fun. And there you have it. That was our chat with Kelly. She was really great. And I'm so honored that I got to chat with her and dig a little deeper into her article and how to songwrite and what's really helpful. And I know a lot of you out there um, haven't been in voice lessons lately because of the pandemic. So I hope this is of service to you and I hope that you feel empowered and excited to write something soon. 
Um, but before we sign out, of course, go follow her on all the social medias. Pause the podcast. Go follow her. Go find her. And then um, come back to me. All right. Did you come back to me? Okay. I want to read to you just a little bit of the conclusion that's at the end of her article. And she says, All human beings hear and know their own voices throughout their entire lives. Scratchy, whiny, gruff, or clear. Our voices are a part of us that we cannot fundamentally change, but ideally accept and grow to love. Our voices are how we communicate every day and are the medium through which we express ourselves most directly. In this sense, they are an inextricable part of our identities, linked to so many of our other defining qualities like point of view, belief, sense of humor. And if this is true, then we cannot divorce ourselves from our voices anytime we express ourselves honestly. When we write, our voices support us and carry our messages to the ears of our audiences, saying to them, I wrote this and I mean it. It is my hope that these perspectives and analyses will inspire young writers to find both their own true voices as singer-songwriters and their identities as artists. I love this article. I love what she wrote. You got to dig in and read it. It's about 10-ish pages or so, um, but it is absolutely worth it. And you can look it up online. Cross Voice Influence, the relationship between singing voice and the songwriting voice. Thank you so much for listening to the Happy Singer podcast. We've got a lot of really great um, episodes coming up soon about neurodiversity, which is a really important thing for us to talk about because some of you may be neurodiverse like me and some teachers out there might not know what that means and that's coming up soon and I'm really, really excited to talk about it. So I hope you're having a great week. I hope this was enjoyable. And we will talk to you soon. Bye.